0: You are listening to Sermon Audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Well, it's an honor to be here with you today. Um, My wife and daughters are at home sick, and so they're watching. So i got to say hey to them. Um, They're live streaming. Hopefully... If you are live streaming, you know that you're welcome to come back. Like, we're ready to have you back if you're still watching. But I love that we are still live streaming for the people who miss Sunday and can't be here. But this is Fort Myers Community Church, and we call it Community Church because we believe that life is about living in community, amen? Amen? Like, that God did not create us to live in solitude by ourselves. And so I'm excited to share that we're getting ready to launch some new community groups. One's going to be at my house. So if you want to come hang out with me, Talk to me after service, um, but in a couple of weeks, we'll be starting that, and I know there's a few others that are, getting, that are getting ready to start, but today, I have the privilege of getting to share uh, about a man who didn't live in community. He was lacking community, and we're going to talk about that, why, why that was, uh, but I'm going to pray real quick before we get started. So again, my name is Mark. If I didn't introduce myself, my wife is Shannon. We lead a ministry here in Fort Myers called Ride Nature, and um, have been a privilege to be a part of this church for a long time, so... Uh, Let me pray real quick, and then we'll dive in. So Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you that you are the reason we exist. You are the reason that we are alive, that we have hope. God, it's all about you. It always has been and always will be. Lord, I pray that we will find fellowship and freedom in you and what you've done by giving us hope and life. And Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. I pray that you will speak through me. Um, God, through your word, that it will not be anything that I say that touches anybody's heart, but Lord, but it'll be the Holy Spirit. So I pray right now that you open our eyes and ears and hearts to know you deeper. God, that that's our desire. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we've been going through this series and it's called Everyone. And in case you're wondering what everyone means, it means everybody. <laughs> it means Everyone. And this sermon is directed toward everyone, everywhere. I've had the privilege of getting to travel to quite a few different places. In fact, this last week I had a good friend of mine from Ethiopia staying with me. And no matter where you go in the world, people are the same. They might look different, they might speak different, they might have different uh, cultures, but we are all the same. God has made us the same, His heart for us is the same, and our problems are the same. That everyone deals with the same thing. And so, The series um, that we've been going through, what I love is, is it's relatable to everyone. It's not just for some, but it's for everybody. And so I don't know about you guys, but each time I read through the Old Testament, I get frustrated, like actually, at sometimes angry. Um, Each year I make the resolution, I'm like, I'm going to read through the Bible in one year. That's my goal, every single year. And I've only actually made it about three times. (laughs) Um, but I've made it, but each year in January, I start back at Genesis. And as I get through the first six to eight chapters, not chapters, thankfully, I make it a little further than that, but books of the Bible, um, I get so mad at the mistakes that the people make in the Old Testament. I don't know about you guys, but you read it and you're just like, what are you thinking? Like, you guys are crazy. Um, and my daughters and I, we read through, if you guys haven't, don't have this book, This is definitely a plug here, the Jesus Storybook by book. If you have children or grandchildren that you want to read to, this is amazing. We read through this book every single night or through the Bible. And um, we make it through this about two to three times a year with the stories. And so even my daughters who are, I have a newborn and then a four-year-old and six-year-old, even my daughters are like, what are they thinking? Like the mistakes that we read about. You see the Israelites, they wander in the desert for, for 40 years You see Adam and Eve, they're like, don't eat any of the fruit, but they eat the fruit that they're told not to do. You see all these mistakes over and over. You see Moses go up and gets the Ten Commandments. He comes down, and what are they doing? They're worshiping this golden calf. And you're just like, what is happening? And I was thinking about it going into this season, that the issue is sin, right? That Moses gets the Ten Commandments from God, brings them down to the people, not to just say, hey, these are the things that you have to do, but to show them their brokenness to show them that they have not kept all those commands. And um, what I love about this Jesus Storybook Bible is that they use this phrase, every story whispers his name. That's the tagline. And from Genesis to Revelation, what they end every story with is the connection from the Old Testament to Jesus, that it always is about him, it always was, and it always will be, that Jesus is the common denominator through all of scripture, that our hope is in him but also every one of us are broken without him. And so Paul writes this in Romans. This is what he says, and this is, this is the reality of us as people. He says, no one is righteous, not even one. Romans 3.10. I know that's not good news. <laughs> um, if you're here today and you're like, dang, like he's starting with bad news, um, you're right, I am. Uh, later in Romans 3.23, just a few verses later in the same chapter, Paul says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then two chapters later in Romans 5, 12, he says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. That as you look at the scripture, as you look at the Old Testament, we are living in a pattern of brokenness, Right? You see that over and over and over again. And sometimes as I'm reading the Old Testament, I wonder, I'm just like, why, God? Why, like, are these stories even in here? Why do you write these things? And, he's, and I believe God put them in the, in the Bible. He's given them to us to show us our need for Jesus, to show us the depravity that we live in, the brokenness that we have as a world. And so today, if you, um, if you have a Bible, we're gonna good jump in. This is a story in Mark chapter five. And if you don't have a Bible, we have them at the ends of each aisles. And it's actually in page 490. So if you're wondering what page it is, you can flip to 490. I really, I hope that you guys will each read along with me. Um, But this is in Mark chapter five. And I believe this is kind of one of the craziest stories or one of the craziest stories, or at least the people that I have read in scripture. And this is a man named Legion. And before you guys get too offended, Uh, or too upset with me, my hope is today as we read this that we're all gonna come to the realization that we're not that different than this man, that we might look a little bit different, like my friend Israel, ironic, his name is Israel, but he's from Ethiopia, like my friend Izzy, who's from Ethiopia, we might look totally different, but we're pretty similar in the core, that we're all pretty similar to this man, and this man was crazy. So in Mark chapter five, page 490, if you're uh, reading one of the books that's with me, Um, we're gonna read through this passage. So it starts in verse one. It says, "'They came to the other side of the sea, "'to the country of the Gerasenes. "'And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, "'immediately there met him out of the tombs, "'a man with an unclean spirit. "'He lived among the tombs, "'and no one could bind him anymore, "'not even with a chain, "'for often he had been bound with shackles and with chains, "'but he wrenched the chains apart "'and he broke the shackles in pieces.'" No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountain, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when Jesus saw him from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us into the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it had, what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened, and the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demon's begged him that he might be with him and he did not permit him but he said go home to your friends and tell them how much the lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you and he went away and began to proclaim in the decapolis how much jesus had done for him and everyone marveled man we read that story and hopefully you guys have heard that story before and you think i'm not like that man at all (laughs) you know i'm i'm clothed i'm sitting i'm in my right mind but the issue that this man experienced and what he was experienced is no different than the issue we experienced with sin. The bondage that we live in when we live in sin, when we allow the devil to creep in. That uh, John 10, 10, we use this verse, uh, or at least we mentioned it a lot at the ministry that we work with. It says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. That that's exactly what was happening with this person that the devil's goal of stealing, killing, and destroying is his goal for everyone, not just for this man, but for each and every one of us. But what does the rest of John 10:10 say? It says, Jesus says that I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest, that the Lord combats the, in, the desires of the enemy. And what I love about this story and a little background on this story is that Jesus spends the majority of his ministry ministering to the Jewish people. Those are the people that he goes after. Those are the people he's sharing with. Those are the people when he's speaking in the temple or in the synagogue, it's it mainly to the Jewish people. But in this story, ironically, right before it is the story where we see that Jesus calms the seas. You guys know what I'm talking about? He's sleeping on the boat and they're sailing across the sea and the big storm comes and his disciples wake him up and they say, Jesus, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. And Jesus says, he says, be calm. And the sea gets calm. Well, guess where they're heading? To the area of the Gerasenes to meet the man with the unclean spirit. And this is an area of Gentiles. And um, what I think is unique about this is that Jesus pursued this man. Jesus knew that this man was waiting. But when they landed on the shore, if you read in verse one or verse two, the first person to meet him is a demon-possessed man. There wasn't a group of people who were there. Every part of, of Jesus's ministry, when he gets to a new area, it says that people greeted him, large crowds accompanied him. In this part of the story, we see that Jesus lands and immediately is meted by who? A demon-possessed man. That God's heart is for everyone. For the least, the lowest, the last, the lost. That even it is for the people who are like that. So you see Jesus here pursuing uh, the Gentile people. And we've been using this passage in 1 Peter 2.9. I don't know if we have it on the slide. But this has been our benediction each one, each, each week. Um, after service, it says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. When I think about this passage, like literally, I think this is this man's testimony who out of mercy was called out of darkness. I mean, I can't imagine a darker place to be living among tombs in a cemetery. Um, literally cutting himself, breaking chains, living in darkness. But this was not always the case for this man. And if you read in verse 10, in 1 Peter 2.10, you were not once a people, you you are now God's people, but you had once not received mercy, but now you have have received mercy. That we see a shift in our identity when we give our life to the Lord, or rather when the Lord saves us, when we receive mercy through him, when we receive forgiveness from him that our identity shifts, that this man, when Jesus reaches out to him or asks him, he says, what is your name? The man replies, my name is Legion. That was not the man's name. But the demons speaking in him say, my name is Legion. But afterwards, he's never referred to as that anymore. That when the demons are cast out, that we see his name and his identity shifts. And so just as John 10, 10, we read that before, that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy our lives, the demons beg, right? They beg Jesus, please don't cast us out of this man. And what does he do? He casts them into the pigs. Over 2,000. When you read that, you're just like, wow, that's wild. Uh, 2,000 pigs, and what do the pigs do? They run off the cliff. They die. They, die. they know. That's their desire. That's the enemy's desire is to bring death, to bring destruction. Uh, and as a result... The people are afraid. And I always thought that was kind of weird. I'm like, man, this guy seems crazy. The people try to bind him with shackles. I can't imagine being the people who are trying to, trying to chain this man up, the guy that's breaking them. And Jesus comes and he frees them. But then when the demons enter the pigs and the pigs run away, it says that the herdsmen, in verse 14, it says they flee, and they tell it in the city and the country, and people come to see. And then they see the man sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they are afraid. I was thinking about what would cause them to be afraid. And maybe it's because they lost 2,000 pigs. You know, if you're a a herdsman, I mean, that's a lot of money, right? You lost a lot of finances. You're like, man, what is Jesus gonna do? But I was thinking about, I think it's for a much deeper reason. And so I started reading some commentaries and there's a a theologian, R.C. Sproul, and this is what he says. He says that when the Holy One is manifest, in this example, when Jesus comes, In the midst of unholy people, the only appropriate response is dread. I was like, wow, that's kind of heavy. Like dread, like what do you mean dread? Like when the holy one is manifest and he comes around unholy people, the only response is dread. And I was thinking about it, and this is what I wrote down, and this is what I really believe is true, is that when lost individuals see God, they don't reject him because they do not know his power, but they reject him because all they know is his power. And that you see that in this story, that this man who was once in darkness receives hope and the people are scared. And when we have no understanding of the extent of God's goodness, I really want you guys to catch this. When we have no understanding of the extent of how good God is, which was displayed through his mercy and grace, that this man did nothing to earn his salvation, to receive mercy. He didn't work for it. He didn't earn it. He didn't deserve it. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is one of the pillars of our uh, five solace that we believe as a church, that it's through grace alone that we are saved, that when, we, when God's goodness is displayed through his mercy and grace by offering forgiveness through his son, we have no option but to tremble in fear because our unholiness cannot bear the presence of his holiness. This is the thing that separates us from God. This is the very thing that doesn't allow us to go to heaven if we don't have a relationship with God. Uh, that First Peter 2.9 tells us that our identity is different if we have hope in Christ, that if we receive mercy, if we receive forgiveness, our identity shifts. But when our identity is still the same, that when we live in sin, when we live in darkness, that we might not look as crazy as this man named Legion, but our problems are the same. And so my hope and prayer for you today is that we all come to the understanding that we are like this man. But the question is, is which side of his life are we like? Are you living in darkness? Are you living in sin? Are you trapped? Or are you living in freedom? Has your identity shifts? Has your identity like legion changed from, from something that was inside of you that was speaking to something that is different that's received mercy? That when we are living in bondage, that we are stuck, sad, sick, lost, but that when we have been set free, that we're clothed, that we're living in our right mind, and that we've been set free and we've received hope in Christ, right? And so this is, this is my favorite part of this whole story, and this was when, when Bill had asked me to share on a topic of everyone. I think this is the goal for this series is that everyone hears the hope in Christ. And so in verse 18, you see this man And this is what it says. As he was getting in the boat, talking about Jesus, the man who had been possessed with demons begs that he might be with him. Begs that he could go with Jesus. He's like, let me come with you. And if you were him, I'm sure you can imagine this, that there would be fear inside of you of returning back to that same life, to going back to the brokenness, to going back to being all alone, to being going back to solitude, that there's fear within him but what is Jesus' response? He says, no, you cannot come with me. And I was thinking about John eight thirty six, and this is uh, what, what he says. He says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. That when we've received freedom in Christ, we are free. We are free. We don't have to continue to live in our old life. But Jesus says, go home, go to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. That his response to him is to not get on the boat and set sail, but it is to go. Just like the Great Commission, right? When Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, that God has given us work to do. And it comes from a heart and a change in our identity, not from an obedience, not from saying, okay, the pastor told me so, the series is on everyone, our desire is to go here and leave here and tell everybody about who Jesus is. It's to go and tell them what God has done for you if your identity has changed. That that this man has been set free, but in Galatians 5.1, Paul, again, he writes to us, he says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand therefore firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. That we've received freedom, but the world is trying to put the yoke of slavery back on us telling us that we are not saved by grace, we have not received mercy, that there is not hope in Christ alone, that we know that is not true. In Hebrews 12:1, it says, therefore we have been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that I think if this man, who was probably one of the most broken people I see in scripture, if he received hope, how much hope have I received? It's the exact same hope in Christ. It says, let us lay aside every weight And sin that hangs so closely, let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. That if you have sin in your life, if you've never received freedom, I want you to realize that your life is not so much different than this man. That it might look different, but it is the same in the core, it's the same in the inside, that sin is causing us to have separation from God, that freedom in Christ has set us free, And that Jesus calls us to lay aside, to cast off, to get rid of anything that is slowing us down because he has given us a mission. He's called us to go to everyone, just like this man. He says, go home and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And he leaves and it says in verse 20, he went away and he began to proclaim in Decapolis, which is the 10 cities all around there, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Like, I was like, what an amazing response to his story. That he could have gone on the boat, Jesus, he could have continued, but Jesus is like, no, this message, this good news, this salvation, this freedom that you've received, I want you to now go and get to share with everybody, to get to take it to the world, take it to your friends. And if our heart aligns with God's heart, then we know that our heart is for everyone. God's heart is for everyone, our heart is for everyone. And so later in the Gospels, this is the last thought. I know it's probably a kind of a short service, and a short message. But later in the Gospels, they return. They go back to this area. And instead of being meted and greeted by one man, a demon-possessed man, it says that a large crowd of people greeted them. And when we are obedient to the call of Christ, when we get to just proclaim what he has done in our life, that lives are changed, God is glorified, people are reached, And this man's testimony leads to a crowd of people greeting Jesus when he returns. Uh, That that is my desire, that is the hope, that is the goal for I know this church, for this series, is that every one of us experience the goodness, the grace, the freedom, the mercy found in Christ. That Just like the children's storybook Bible, that every story whispers his name. It has always been about Jesus, it always will be about Jesus, that we are no match for sin without him. That's the whole desire that I started with this idea that we are broken, that we are like this man, that because of sin, it has separated us from Christ. Because of sin, we cannot have relationship with him. But when we do, like 1 Peter 2, 9 says, that we, are, we, are rece- we receive mercy, we receive hope, our identity shifts, it changes. So I don't know if the, if the band wants to come back up, I'm gonna invite them back up, and I'm just gonna pray, I'm gonna close here today, that if you are here today that I want you to go home and realize that you have a mission, that you have a goal, that you have been given this message, that we are a lot like this man. In fact, I would actually be proud to say I'm like this man, just not in the beginning stage. That, that the same thing, the freedom that he had received, the hope he had received, is the same hope that we have in Christ. And thank you, Jesus, that, that we've received mercy that we've received grace, that you have shown us what it looks like to live in freedom and that we get to leave here like this man and go and tell people what he's done in our lives. But if you're like this man and you're still living in bondage, if you're still living in sin, my prayer and hope is that you will give everything over to the Lord, that he is saying, listen, I want to set you free. I want to set you free. All you have to do is believe in me. All you have to do is have hope in me. And I know without a shadow of doubt that there's people here who are still living in it. And it breaks my heart to think about it. I know there's people in this world that are living in it that are just like this man. And sadly, they're living in total solitude. They lack community. This man is all by himself. And so if that's you today, my prayer is that the Lord will set you free and that you will go home from here today and tell the Lord how much he has done for you because of his mercy, because of his grace. And so that's all I got. Um, my testimony is a lot like this dude. It wasn't maybe on the outside, it didn't look like that, but from the from the inside, I was in bondage. We all are. We all are stuck. And so Jesus sets us free, amen. Um, so I'm gonna close in prayer. Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we praise you for what you have done. God, I thank you that you have set us free. Lord, that the gospel is not that complicated. In fact, I'm not the best speaker, and I know that. God, but the message that you have given us is super simple. It's that we were stuck in darkness, that we were broken, that we were sinful. God, that from the very beginning of the world, we've been in the same cycle and the same pattern. Lord, that our sins all look different. Our brokenness might all look different. But Lord, that your grace and mercy, I think about 1 Peter again, Lord, when you say that you desire that none shall perish, that your hope and mercy and grace is for everyone. And Lord, I thank you that you have given us the responsibility, the call and the gospel to get to share what you have done so that everyone will hear it. That in your word in Romans God, it says that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God, that freedom is found in you alone. It always has been about you. It always will be about you, Lord. And my prayer is that we will find hope and peace, grace and mercy in you alone. And God, that when we do, we will leave and this world will be changed people around us will be changed, that where we live, where we work, where we play, all the places that we go, Lord, that we will have no other thing but to share what you have done with us. Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes to the difference in our lives, that just like this man, how different our identity is when we receive the mercy and grace from you. Lord, that it changes in a way that is so extreme that people have to recognize it, Lord. we have to speak about it, that we have no other option but to share. So, Lord, we pray right now for this community. We pray for this country. We pray for the nation. We pray for all nations around the world, Lord. We thank you for those around the world that are sharing your good news, that are sharing the gospel, that they're sharing nothing more than what you've done, Lord, that when we worship, we evangelize, and that we evangelize through worship. And God, that we get to share the things that you have done in and through our life for because of what you've done. So God, I pray that today, and tomorrow and the rest of this week, we will leave here excited and so thankful because of the grace that we found in you, Lord. Oh Lord, I pray that our heart will break for the lost, that we will go to the places just like you, Lord, that when the enemy brings opposition like we see right before this passage, God, that we will fight against it, that will speak against it, that will go back to your word, that will remember the truth of who you are, God, that we'll keep fighting forward, keep pushing forward, Lord. That until every ear hears, Lord, that we will continue to speak and continue to share and continue to go to the ends of the earth, Lord, to share who you are, how good you are, how great you are, God. Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity and the freedom that we have to worship publicly. God, we thank you, we praise you. It's in your name we pray.